Well, good morning again. Good to see all, part of your faces. Good to see part of all of your faces. That's great, guys. Well, I am so glad you are all here this morning. My name is Greg Amber, and I are the lead pastors here. I want to welcome those who are with us online this morning. Uh, just a couple of quick things I want to mention. Uh, as you know, during this kind of COVID season, we've been, although we've been live on Sundays online, we've been pre-recording and, and playing those live. And as of next Sunday, we are going live live. Uh, we've got some new systems in place to have a good experience online, and so we'll be worshiping corporately. What that means is we will have one online experience uh, live at 10 o'clock uh, each week, and then you can catch it on demand throughout the day and the rest of the week as well. So I want you to be aware of that. One other quick thing, sometimes we get up here and we get excited, we forget parts of it. If you want to go to the, the women's thing, uh, you got to just go to our website. Go to zchurch.org under the events tab, and there's all the information there uh, for the women's thing if you want to get registered for that, all right? Well, we are kicking off a brand new series uh, today uh, that I've just entitled An Election-Proof Faith. How many of you know there's an election happening, right? We're all so loving all those commercials, right? It's just like, oh, for crying out loud, can I stop seeing a commercial for an election? It's just how it is, right? And this election has kind of been on our radar since you know, like almost a year now since they started doing stuff and getting ready and finding the different candidates and all that kind of stuff. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, this election has been on my radar since the first day that Amber and I stepped in here at Zoe Church. And there's a reason, because I understood what took place in 2016. And I began, you may not realize it, but I began to sow seeds into our congregation since the first day we got here to prepare us as followers of Christ, is how are we going to walk through seasons like this? But I knew that as we got closer to this time, that it would be imperative that we get very focused and that we lean into this thing and we kind of give it uh, what it needs to, the attention that it deserves. Now, I will say this. I don't like talking about politics, okay? I don't. This is like shark-infested waters, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I have no desire to wade into these waters, all right? They say there's three things you're not supposed to talk about. Money, religion, and politics, right? We talk about religion on a regular basis. You know, I've proven I don't mind talking about money. So let's, oh, what the heck, let's do this thing, right? Okay? We're going to talk about some politics. Now, some of you, some of you love elections and some of you love politics. Like, I know it. You just get all, you love the polls, you love the debates, you just get all jacked up about this, right? Uh, but how, I think we all can be honest and recognize that during seasons like this, some of the ugliest parts of our society come out. You know what I'm saying? It, it just comes out. We see it going on in our world. It is toxic, right? We're living in a very toxic culture. But if we are to be honest, it, doesn't just, it isn't just them people out there. We see it even within followers of Christ that this season can turn very toxic, right? Instead of loving one another, we operate in positions where we tear one another down, where we tend to justify ourselves while demonizing anybody who thinks differently from us, right? This is where we are. And so I think it's important and critical that we hit pause as a church right now, okay? We hit pause because if we are going to be followers of Christ, we cannot operate like everybody else does. We can't. We might want to. We might get the, go to, go to, but we don't get that option. We have to do things differently. And so we're going to talk about in this series, how do we need to think differently, right? How do we need to, uh, what do we need to value different than other people? 
And ultimately, how do we have an election-proof faith? All right? There's a couple things that I want for you guys. Every one of you. I want this. I want your faith in Christ and your commitment to him to grow over the next six weeks. That's what I want. I want us to choose to value the right things over the next six weeks. All right? And ultimately, I want our corporate witness for Christ to remain pure over the next six weeks, all right? So we're gonna start here. If you're, if you're new here, uh, every week I have a, a big so what, where I say, so what? What's the point of this thing? Because I don't ever want you to walk out the door and say like, I don't even know what he was talking about today, okay? So I have, I'm gonna have a big so what every week, but I have a series big so what for us, all right? And, and if there's one thought, if you forget everything else I say for the next six weeks, here is the, the series big so what. Jesus will still be on the throne on November 4th. Okay? He will. He will. Like you might think, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if Biden's our president. Doesn't matter if Trump's our president. Doesn't matter if all of America writes in Mickey Mouse and he is our president. I don't care who the president is. I don't care if we don't know who the president is on November 4th. Guess what? Jesus will still be on the throne on November 4th. Okay, let's just start there. Can we just get that into our bones as followers of Christ? Because we as followers of Christ walk around sometimes and I go, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, the world's going to fall. Listen, the world may fall apart. Jesus will still be on the throne, okay? Sometimes we look at the church and we look, man, the church is falling apart. Guess what? You know what Jesus said? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay? So can that be our starting point? All right, that's my first sermon. We'll get to the real sermon for today. All right, we're going to talk about, uh, each week we're going to just kind of deal with some different principles. Okay, and this morning we're going to deal with one very simple word, and that simple word is this, allegiance. Allegiance, all right? Uh, Many of you know that Amber and I, uh, before we came here just about a year and a half ago as your lead pastors, uh, we were part of another church for about 15 years. An amazing church. Amazing people. Such amazing. In fact, that church planted this church like 45 years ago. Okay? It's an amazing church. Love being a part of that. Okay? And one of the things that we did as a part of that church, it, it hadn't in the last several years, but up to that for years and years had something called a freedom celebration. Once a year we would get together, we would celebrate our nation, celebrate you know, our country and everything that had taken place and, and uh, just the values of our country, some of those things. And then we would also celebrate veterans who had given their lives, those, in the, and there are many of you in the congregation who have served in the military. Just so grateful. And that was one of those times. And it was a great time. People love that service. It's lots of fun, all those kind of things, all right? But I, for about 11 years, I was the worship pastor, okay? Which meant I stood on the stage every week and I led the singing. So I don't know if you realize this, but the worship people can see you sometimes, okay? So... So when I would be up here as the worship pastor, I would look out in the congregation. And to be honest, there were certain people, uh, they were there every single Sunday, and they're singing the, we're singing these songs of the power and the greatness of our God, how awesome he is. And you look like they didn't care one bit about that, right? They're just like, you know, whatever. Okay? That's great. They're, not everybody, obviously, but there's some people like that. But I would notice on occasion some of those people who didn't look like they were very excited to be there on Freedom Celebration Day, they would erupt They would sing with all their might as they sang about America and they celebrated these things. And I'll just be honest, as the years went by, year after year after year, this as much as I enjoyed the experience, I I began 
to be concerned because I began to question if some people's allegiance to their country far outweighed their allegiance to their God. And it was a concern of mine. And this word allegiance, okay, this is something that we need to begin our journey in because if there's any one word that is important and critical at this time, it's that word, all right? And so the question is, who or what has your allegiance? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse number 23. This is a passage I've had you turn to a number of times this last year, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Uh, while you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our New Testament reading plan. If you've been following along, awesome. If you've gotten off a little bit, no worries. Tomorrow, we will post uh, the reading for this coming week. Uh, just encourage you to keep up with that, all right? Would you stand with me across the room as we read our text? Nothing sacred about Stan. It's just our tradition around here to honor God's word. Just two verses, 9 verses 23 through 24 says this. Then he said to them all, this being Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you spoke 2,000 years ago and you want to speak to us today. So we open our ears, we open our hearts to you. Pray that in your name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. All right, so we talk about the gospel all the time, the good news of what God has done and is doing in the world through Jesus Christ, right? And this is good news for us, the fact that, that God desired to save us who could not save ourselves. He sent his son into the world to die. He rose again, overcoming the power of sin and death, and he is coming again someday. That's the gospel, and that is good news for us. And his desire is to offer eternal life, eternal zoe, to every single one of us. That's what is available to us. The, the, the way he designed life, he wants that for us. He wants good for us. We sang about his reckless love for us. But how do we receive this love? Well, that's what this passage is about. Because we like to talk about, man, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I, you know, all these kind of things. What does that mean? I think it's important to go directly to Jesus. Let's not ask what your mama thinks or what your sister thinks or what are those. What does Jesus say about following him? And that's what this passage is about. And so I want to walk through this passage. I want to bring this one up on the screens here. You can follow along with me this way. Jesus is saying this. He says, all right, here's the deal. You want to follow me? Whoever wants to be my disciple, you want to follow me. You want to be mine. You want to be in my clan, okay? Here's what it looks like. Must deny themselves. Must deny themselves. It's not about you. As long as you want it to be about you, you're not really wanting to follow Christ. Because it, the only way we receive the goodness of the gospel is when we offer ourselves to him, when we say it's not about me anymore. See, this is why followers of Christ should look different than everybody else. Because everybody else wakes up in the morning and they climb up on the throne of their own heart. And they say, I'm in charge. Look at me. I love things. You know, I love it my way, right? It's like Burger King around here. Have it your way. You see, that's not what it's like when you follow Christ. You don't get that choice. It's a different decision. When you wake up, it's like, it's not about me. But it's so much worse than that. Because he said, must deny themselves and take up their cross. And you've heard me say this before. We look at the cross and we think of like nice little cute earrings, you know, little gold earrings. 
this little necklace, right? Maybe you, maybe you really, you're, you're strong. You got a crucifix, so it's like it's there, but there's no blood or any of those kinds of things. These people knew exactly what they meant when they said, take up the cross. Because almost on the daily, the Romans would take people outside of the city and nail them to a cross to die. When they hear this term, take up the cross, what, what they hear is, I'm going to have to die. Now, not literally. It's not like you're literally taking a cross and, and dying on the daily, but it means that this whole idea that you've got to deny yourself, that it can't be about you, the you who likes to be in charge has to die. But it's so much worse than that because it doesn't end there. You've got to take up your cross daily. That's the hardest word in this, right? Because I don't know about you, but I, like, sometimes I go, I was a good person today. Like it wasn't about me today, Right? But then I go to bed, and then I wake up. <laughs> and I wake up, I want it to be about me again. Why do we like going on vacation? Because we get to go stay in a hotel and mess up the bed and throw towels on the ground, and somebody else takes care of it, right? I love it when it's about me. But see, followers of Christ, if we want to receive the goodness that God has for us, the starting point is a position of laying ourselves down, not elevating ourselves, not making it about us, but instead we lay ourselves down and we say, God, it's not about me. Take up my cross daily. And then, then, I follow you. See, that's what it means to follow Jesus. You want to be a follower of Christ. You want to be a Christian. It doesn't mean you show up to church for an hour on Sunday. Now, that's a good thing because hopefully I'm going to bring some word and I'm going to challenge you on the weekly, but, but that's not the definition of a Christian. A Christian is someone who has submitted their life to Christ. That's what it means. And in return, we get the gift of all the good stuff God has provided for us. Right? Okay. Well, I, I want to explain this. I want to give some pictures because how many are visual learners? Any visual learners out there? Okay. I'm a visual learner. If I see something, oh, that makes sense to me. Okay. So when I think about this verse, I think for a lot of us, there's something that comes to mind. When we think about this idea of dying to ourselves, we think of the idea of putting Jesus first. Right? So I think about a list. Like our life is a list. Here's a list, okay? We got all the things in life. And, and the goal in life is that we get Jesus to the top of the list, right? Maybe he starts out down here somewhere. We're like, just keep pushing him up the list. I got to get him to, up to number one, right? It's awesome here. And we got Jesus, and then maybe you got your marriage, you got your kids, you got, you know, your job, you got your career, you got your money and your stuff in life, you got the way you act, all these things in your life. And, and they're all in priority lists, and the goal is how do I get Jesus to the top of the list? And if we're honest, sometimes it's like, oh, he's top, oh, I kind of had a rough day or whatever, and he might have gone down to number two or number three. I mean, it's okay, as long as he stays kind of at the top, right? The goal, let's, let's try and get that. And then all the other stuff, and I got it's Jesus, and then all the other stuff in my life, right? This is how we act. I don't think this is a good picture. This is not what this verse is about. I think the better picture is this. How many of you are space geeks? Any space geeks out there? You like the universe, you like looking, oh, there's like two of us. Okay, we're gonna hang out later, guys. I'm a space geek. Oh, good. We got more geeks over here. Good. Okay. I'm a space geek. My son Levi is too. Like the two of us, we love talking about when he was a kid, we talk about the universe and we love watching documentaries about space and all these kind of things. I love thinking about space because when I think about how big space is, the, big, the size of the universe, when you really start studying, it's like so, you know, and you begin to realize how big our God is. It's really a good thing for your perspective. So even if you don't like it, think, you know, research how big the universe is. It'll mess you up. Okay. But when we think about our solar system, this is, a, this is a really crude version of our solar system. I know it's not to scale, but I think this is representative of, of what we're talking about. Now, for most of us, here's what we think. When we take the little list version and we apply it to this, we say, okay, here's my life, all right? 
and then I have priorities, and I have things in my life, right? My, maybe the closest one is my faith in Christ, because it's really important to my heart, so I have this really close to my heart, and then, then I got family, and I got friends, and I got my job, and I got my money, and I got my future, I got my retirement, I got all these kind of things that are circling me, right? And my goal is, like, I want to have the planet that's closest to me. Beef my faith. But see, following Christ means you change what your son is. See, this is what faith is. It, it's saying, I surrender my life to Christ. He is now the center of my solar system. And so rather than my faith being a piece of my life that I try to keep close to Christ, or you know, my entire life is now revolving around Christ. My marriage isn't for me anymore. It's about how do I honor Christ. My family is not about me. My money is not about me. My time is not about me. My energy is not about me. The things I value are not about me. The way I speak is not about me. The way I think is not about me. Everything in my life now revolves around Christ. The goal isn't to keep Christ first. It's to keep the Christ primary in every area of our life. That it now ceases to be about me which is the most freeing thing in the world, by the way. Because when you're trying to make it about you, you're always having to try harder because somebody's like, well, it's not about you. I'm like, I gotta work harder to show how it is about me. No, let it go, let it go. Don't hold, no, sorry. That wasn't in my notes. That just came out in the moment, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> I get distracted, I'm sorry. But just like, it's so freeing. It's not about you. It's about him. Your whole life, make it about him, and you don't have to worry and freak out all the time. There's less stress, less concern. He's on the throne. It's about him. Guess what? When it comes to this election, I don't know what's going to happen, right? I pray. I can be involved. I don't know what's going to happen. He's in charge. <laughs> like, I don't have to freak out. I don't have to la act like everybody else does, right? Sorry, that's not my notes either. Okay. All right. So this is the picture. This is what, and some of you, maybe you're like, I, I've never understood that that's what faith is about. This is it. This is what surrender looks like. It isn't surrendering apart. We talk about this all the time. It's not like we come, you know, we talk about, we're baptized today. Some of you are like, what is even baptizing? I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's this whole idea. It's, it's symbolizing this whole idea of surrendering everything that you are. When you go under the water, everything goes. You don't get baptized with your wallet outside of the water. You don't get baptized with your time, with your whatever. You don't get to hold anything out of the water. Everything goes under the water. You say, God, I am all yours. I'm all yours. And there's freedom in that, all right? So I want to get to our big so what here, and then we're going to linger here for the last few moments today as I bring some application to this, all right? Uh, the big so what I want to look at is this. It's our allegiance to Christ must be primary. Our allegiance to Christ must be primary primary everything in our life must revolve around him why why if you want to put that picture back up again it's this because when our allegiance gets out of whack it isn't just that our priorities are out of place remember that list it isn't like oh no my priorities i've just gotten a little out of place something like that it's that something else has become our god okay because at the end of the day, if we don't surrender our lives to Christ, something's going to be our God. It isn't, do you have a God? The question is, who is your God? Is it you? You made it something else? 
Uh, some of you probably have tried reading the Old Testament before, and it's been a little confusing, I would guess. You know, it, it, maybe you've never even, you know, like, I'm not even going to go there because I'm, I'm confused when I open that thing up. I get it, okay? But let me give you a little understanding of what's going on in the Old Testament. All right, God has decided he is going to redeem all of mankind. That's the story beginning in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to redeem everything back to myself in this broken, fallen world. And he decides that he is going to work, not because they deserve it, but because he made a decision. He's going to work through a people that he's going to rise up called the Israelites. And he says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And, and I, want to be, I want to be your everything. I want to be your source. I want to provide for you. You just follow after me. Problem is, they keep doing what we tend to do, which is we go our own way. And the Israelites, they keep going their own way. And the one thing he kept saying, really, you're going into this land. There's going to be all these other nations, and they're going to have other gods and things like this. Do not worship those other gods. Do not give them your allegiance, right? But they keep going in, and what do they do? Worship the other gods. They're taking the idols, right? And they're, they're operating. This is the idea of idolatry, okay? When you have an idol, something else, and that ultimately becomes your god. Because God's saying, listen, you're worshiping these idols. Now your allegiance isn't to me. Your allegiance is to these idols, You've changed who you're about. It's not about me anymore. It's about these other gods that you are now worshiping. And now, I know for most of us, I'm not going to say all of us, because it's possible somebody in here, for most of us, when we think about idolatry, well, I don't do that. I don't have a little gold statue in my room. I don't have a little wooden carving or something that I bow down to and do, you know. Maybe you do, whatever. But, like, I would guess that's not what we do, but every single one of us struggles with idolatry. We struggle to, to make things an idol, to make things that become primary in our life that steal our allegiance away from Christ. What do I mean? Okay, well, for some of us, that, that thing, that idol, becomes money and stuff. We would never say that. We don't say we live about money, but our pursuit, everything in our life, our, our relationships, our time, our energy, everything we have is about pursuing money and stuff and future wealth in some way. And we would never say it, but if, at that point, you just made money your God. That has become an idol in your life. Other things that that happens to, comfort. For some of us, purely the idea of comfort is an idol in our lives. Everything we do in our lives is about how can I experience the greatest level of comfort. I don't want to do anything that's going to make me uncomfortable, okay? But for others of us, status becomes an idol. How, how do people perceive us? How, do, how am I reflected? What, what's my view? You know, what's my reputation? All those kind of things becomes an idol, and it influences every area of our life. For others of us, affirmation. We so desperately crave affirmation from others that we turn that into an idol, that our entire life revolves around how can I make other people happy? How can I make other people love me, think I'm great? And suddenly we're pursuing this idol in our life. And oftentimes it comes from a place of brokenness inside of us. We are craving the wrong things because we are broken people. And they end up taking us the wrong direction. Even good things can become idols, relationships. Relationships are good. Life is about relationships. You can turn it into an idol. We can get into the wrong relationships and suddenly everything in our world revolves around that, that boy, that girl, right? And we, we'll throw out anything in our life as long as they're happy, right? But it's more than just relationships. It can happen, uh, parents, grandparents, it can happen with your kids and your grandkids. Love your kids with all your heart. That's great. But sometimes I see people turning their kids into idols. And their home isn't about how do I lead my kid to Christ. Their home is about how do we do everything for the kids, right? 
Everything is about the, how do I make the kids happy? How do I get them what they want? It's all about the kids. And if we're not careful, as good as our kids are, we can make an idol out of them. Listen, it's not good for them, and it ain't good for you. But even more than that, some of you have passions. God's put things on your heart, passion points, things that are just, that rev you up, that wake you up in the morning. Issues, there are issues in our world. Maybe it's justice issues in our world. There's so many things. Maybe it's, it's abortion. It may have to do with racism. It may have to do with some of these other issues in our world that, that are passionate. You are passionate about these things. And they can be very, very good, things that you need to fight for. But if we aren't careful, instead of those being a planet that is there to honor Christ, it becomes our God, and we now have God circling our issue. Everything in our life is about that thing. And it's okay that it's a good thing, but you can't make it your God. Don't make it an idol, all right? All right, so this is the, our allegiance to Christ must be primary. Okay, so what in the world does this have to do with politics? All right. All right, I'm about to go there a little bit, okay? So just... Here's, here's what I need you to do. I need you to just have an open heart because I'm about to bring the word to you. I'm not going to bring you my opinions, okay? Amen. If we are not careful, uh, we can make an idol out of a political party or political affiliation. We make an idol out of that. What do I mean? Suddenly, what my party says is the thing that I look to. What my party thinks, that's what I'm committed to. Uh, you know, Christ, as long as, as, long as it, what Christ says aligns with what my party says, we're good. If there's a conflict, oh, I'm probably going to align on the side of my, pol my political views. And we get so passionate about this that if people watched us and looked at us, watched us live our lives, they'd be more likely to say they're passionate about their politics than they are about their God. We got to be careful. Can't make an idol out of our political affiliations. If we're not careful, we make an idol out of a candidate. We live in a world that loves to make idols out of people. We love to glorify people. There's an entire show, American Idol. It's all about glorifying the individual, right? And if we're not careful, I don't care who your, who your candidate is. Again, it could be Biden, Trump, or Mickey Mouse. I don't care who your candidate is. We cannot make an idol out of that candidate. Because I watch Christians and non-Christians alike spouting off the word of their candidate rather than leaning on the word of God. Okay? And you know what that says right there? It says you've made an idol out of a candidate. If the, if the words you are defending are in conflict with your commitment to Christ, you better check yourself. Okay? Check yourself. Be careful. You are in very, very dangerous territory. Remember what I said. This isn't an issue of getting your priorities out of place. It's an issue of who is your God. And we've got to be very cautious that we don't allow our commitment to a political party or to a candidate to cause us to be in conflict with the word of God and on conflict with who he has called us to be. Not into who he's called us to vote for, but who he has called us to be as followers of Christ. All right? All right, here's the, here's the one that some of you are really going to want to get mad at me and throw stuff at me. So I'm going to ask you to, to listen, open your ears and listen to me, okay? And then allow the Holy Spirit, because I'm standing on firm ground on this one, all right? If we are not careful, 
we can make an idol out of our country and out of our flag. Now stop and listen to me for a second, okay? I love America. There is no other nation in the history of all of humanity that I would rather live in, okay? I love our country. I love the, the values that the country was founded on, and I recognize that unfortunately we don't always live up to those values, and the result is there's still the stains and, and the, the issues that we still wrestle with in our nation. There are still pains that exist, all right? I understand that. And in the same way, I love what our flag represents. I'm proud of the men and the women and so grateful many of you in this room who have who've laid your life down. You've, you've put yourself in harm's way for the sake of our nation and for the sake of the freedoms that we enjoy as a country. I understand all of those and that's where I'm at. But if we aren't careful, we will make an idol out of our country and out of our flag. How do I know that? Because there are Christians who will get far more frustrated, angry, and get really negative toward you if you disrespect the flag rather than disrespecting their God. And if that occurs, then we've just determined who our God is. <laughs> if we're more frustrated because you said something negative about the flag, then, then I'm more passionate about the flag than I am about my God. And I've got my priorities in the totally wrong place, right? I've given my allegiance to something else, and I have to be very cautious. We have to be cautious as followers of Christ. Who has our allegiance? Is it Christ? Or have we allowed something else to take hold of our hearts? As good as it is, I don't care. It could be your very own children. But if we have allowed it to take our allegiance, if it's the thing that affects everything else, then we have made a God out of the wrong thing. And if we're going to say, we're going to say, we're here, we came to church because we want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I want to live for him. Well, guess what? He gets to call the shots. He's the one on the throne. He's the one who everything else has to fall in submission to, right? We have to be so careful as Christians that we don't try to create American Christians. Because right now, at this very moment, all across the planet, there are followers of Christ in almost every nation and people group around the world. All right? You know what? Some of those governments, they want to kill the Christians. Some of those governments love the Christians, but a lot of them don't like them. And yet they're still following Christ. So what does that tell us? Politics are important. You want to know why? Because elections have consequences. They do. We all understand that, and I, and I hope that you are leaning in, and I hope that you are engaging. I hope that you are researching the issues, and I hope that you are prayerfully gonna engage in this process in our nation. But at the end of the day, we are not called to be American Christians. We are called to be Christians, to be called followers of Christ, that in every way, everything I have is surrendered to him. All right? So the question is merely this. Who has your allegiance? Who is at the center of your solar system? Who is your God? We're gonna have an election-proof faith. It's gotta start with one simple word that we see throughout scripture, repentance, okay? Repentance, what is repentance? That seems like a super churchy word, right? Repentance, it means to turn. 
It starts with a turning away. It ends with a turning toward. It starts with a turning away from, okay, all right, God, I, I recognize that there's some things I have allowed be the center of my life, right? I've allowed them to take priority. I've allowed them to guide my, me, to, to affect me, to, to guide how I live my life. God, I recognize those things, and I repent of those things, and I, I surrender. I submit those things to you. I lay them down, right? And I turn away from them. But at the same moment, God, I turn toward you. I'm not turning into oblivion. I am turning toward you. I'm giving you my allegiance. I'm giving everything I have to you. God, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it has to do with money. I don't care if it has to do with relationships or my kids or any of these things. And I don't care, God, if, if it's politics, if it's, if it's my, my commitment to a candidate, if it's my views of our nation, any of those things. God, I lay those down. As important as they may be, God, I lay them down and they become you are primary. You are what my whole world is about. And Lord, if there's any place where there is a, these things come into conflict, God, I choose you every time. I surrender to you every time. Because at the end of the day, my allegiance isn't to any of those things. My allegiance is to you, God. If we can live that way, no stupid election can tarnish our faith. All right? I'm gonna lead us just in a time of, of prayer. And I think it's important for us to have moments of repentance. And uh, you may need to do this now. You may need to do this later on as well. I don't know. Um, you may need to, you, the Holy Spirit, I've been praying all week for you. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit will take these words and make them very specific to each and every one of us, that we would see the areas in our life where we have maybe gotten off course and that, that we would step back into alignment surrendering to him. Let me give you a moment to pray. God, we thank you so much that you are faithful to us, Lord. I thank you, God, that the picture that we see throughout Scripture is there's times where we run away, just like the Israelites. We go do our own thing. We make other things our God. Uh, but the picture we have is of the prodigal son, the story where the son goes and he's going the wrong way and he's doing the wrong things and he's valuing the wrong things. And the father, rather than sitting back, ticked off, angry, hoping that he would come back so he could give him a piece of his mind, Instead, the father is looking off in the distance, just waiting for his kid to come home. It says when the son comes over the hill, the father hikes up his clothes and runs after him. He says, my son who is dead is alive. God, we are those people. God, I'm that person sometimes, Lord. And God, we just ask that you would forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of all the things that we, we place in the center of our lives. God, the times where we get off course. Today, we, we do what your scripture says. God, we deny ourselves. We take up our cross. We die to ourselves, Lord. We surrender ourselves, Lord. Whatever it is, the good, the bad, the indifferent, we lay it down and surrender it to you, God. Even our politics, God, we lay it down. And we say, God, ultimately, be, you be glorified. You be honored. Our, our lives are for you, Jesus. God, forgive us.